Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Nothing like the Hangtime Podcast coming at you live from headquarters here in Atlanta. My main man, Lang Whitaker in New York. Yo, yo. Back in New York. What's up, kid? Nothing, man. I'm, uh, I've am i been gone for nine days living out of my suitcase. And uh, <laughs> that's always the best is when, you, when you've been traveling for a while and you can actually unpack the suitcase, you know, like even because even when I've been on the road the last week or whatever, it, I, I was only in places for two or three days at a time. So never really got to dig around in the bottom of the bag and find things and <laughs> until right, today. Right. Let me ask you a question. When you go somewhere for an extended yeah. period, like if you're going somewhere for three, four or five days, do you actually take all your stuff out of the bag and put it in the drawers in the hotel and like hang stuff up? Um, generally, no. I'll hang stuff up if if it's like a work trip and we have to like do stuff where we have to be on camera. Mm-hmm. And I have shirts that you know I don't want them to get wrinkled or whatever. But uh, like during the finals, I I don't usually unpack if I'm in a hotel for four days, five days. The only time I unpack is if we go to like the beach for a week, and then right. I'll unpack. But yeah. I think there there must be a cutoff there. What do you think it is? Four days, five days, the the no pack cutoff. I never take anything out. I, I keep it in the bag, and I usually put it in a corner. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I got all kinds of issues about hotels. I don't I don't sleep well yeah. in hotels. Um, I gotta have the room on like sixty degrees, uh, and I never unpack. Like I never put anything in a drawer in a hotel. That creeps me out. <laughs> my dad, <laughs> but I, I I asked that because my dad can go somewhere like overnight and he will unload everything. Yeah. Like put, put everything in drawers, have a shower bag, you know and I'm like? Dude, you're only here for a day. It um, doesn't creep me out to put stuff in the drawers, but I have my own hotel, uh, idiosyncrasies too. Like I, I don't, I don't ever let the maid in the room when I'm there. <laughs> I don't care if I'm there four days, five days. I, I can sleep on the same sheets, use the same towel for four days. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Just, um, just don't let the bed bugs get at you. <laughs> I don't like because I, I figure like why would I want somebody to be around my stuff unless you know unless it's me like I don't I don't need some <laughs> stranger messing around with my stuff. Um, that's one. I also like my room cold. Like yeah, I want it to be. I want my room like a meat locker. Like I yes, I get in there and turn it down, and that's fine. I leave it there. So yeah, I, yeah. I learned the hard way years of being on the road as a beat writer. Like. If if the room is warmer than sixty nine, I wake up stopped up the next day. So I was like, I got to keep it on frigid, uh, yeah. no, no matter what the locale. I'm talking. I don't care if it's Minnesota, in you know in February, temperature in the room has got to be sixty six. So, by the um, way, shout but, out to Hartsfield Jackson Airport in Atlanta for the, that Pascal's in Terminal B. Keep <laughs> Keep me well fed for breakfast anytime I'm there. Nice, nice. Yeah. So you were on the road, but in town, mm-hmm. um, we did a little work at the uh, Hawks Cavs Unity game. Um, did a little riding around 
the ATL with Dwight Howard for a road trip feature that'll be coming up here on NBA.com before you know it. Interesting that the first ever unity game, um, you know, built around pride weekend here in Atlanta and uh, an initiative that was really generated by employees of the Atlanta Hawks, according to Steve Coonan, you know, that the employees were the ones who looked around at what was going on, you know, and, and felt like they needed to do something that the franchise, the team, you know, needed to have an impact, you know, and what was going on in this conversation right now with athletes and social activism and, and all that's going on in the country. Did you, I mean, I came away from it feeling like they did it the right way. It wasn't overbearing, but they made the point and having both teams involved. And, in, you know, when you listen to what they had to say about it, made me feel good about the way the NBA is handling all of this. Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, when, when I first heard about it, I was worried that it would be heavy-handed and it would be over the top and they would make too much of it. Um, and I think they handled it perfectly. Uh, you know, I, I loved, like, all the employees wearing the Unity T-shirts and the mm-hmm. ushers and, you know, everyone up and down had those on. And um, and then the different ways they, they celebrated it from, like, the halftime presentation to the – um, pre-game, the video they showed was really well done, well produced, and um, and the players all seemed very well versed in it. And, and you know, it wasn't like the players just showed up and it was another night they had to do something and wear a t-shirt. Um, the players were willing to talk about it and had their own thoughts and ideas about it. And um, uh, like you, like you, I, I think it was all really well put together. And credit to the Hawks and the Cavs for for taking part in that. Yeah, and I and I've been banging on this drum. Um, since really before the ESPYs, um, there, it just seems like this is a moment in time we'll look back at all of these different professional athletes stepping up, speaking right. out, kneeling, whatever action they take. But like this is this has been a summer of awakening to me. We talked about it with David Aldridge uh, a couple podcasts mm-hmm. ago. Um, I, I like where the conversation is headed and, and you asked a really poignant question to, to Steve Coonan the other night about what's next. Like, what is the next step? And um, that's he what gave, I'm really curious to see. He, he gave a really honest answer. He was like, I don't know. Yes, um, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree. What is next? And I, we, like you said, we talked about it with DA a few weeks ago. And, and I thought at the time we all kind of talked about how, um, how everybody who's been involved in this whole thing and the players and the coaches, everyone is, is, has been on the right page with this whole thing and um, has been really, const- the whole aim of this thing has sort of been education and, and information and moving forward and getting people on the same page. And I think um, it's continued. And, and, you know, when we first saw, I think, I guess Kaepernick kind of kicked this whole thing off um, in the preseason and when that started, I don't think anyone really knew where this thing was going um, or how long it would go. But right. but it's still going, and uh, you know, for the for the NBA to to get involved in this thing now the way it has, and you know, with like Dwight Howard urging the the fans throughout the arena to to link arms um, yeah. in Atlanta during the national anthem, um, it's going to keep going, I, I think, for a while. Yeah, it should be interesting. We. Uh... Like I said, we, we got a chance to uh, invade Phillips Arena a little bit the other night, talk to, you know, folks all over the place, you know, Hall of Famers, Dominique Wilkins, CEOs and Steve Kuhn and head coaches, players, everybody. Um, 
Got a few minutes with uh, one of your favorite guys and a guy I really have enjoyed watching transform his career in uh, Kent Bazemore, uh, who signed a nice deal with the Hawks over the summer to stick around and be a part of this newfangled Hawks team, this this Dwight Howard-centric Hawks team. So um, give a quick listen to our conversation with Kent Bazemore uh, before the Unity game the other night. Here with Kent Bazemore, the Atlanta Hawks. Hang time road trip. Unity game, preseason game against the defending champs. That's always a good time, I would imagine, to get out and get loose. But you guys had a lot going on, you know, surrounding this game. Talk a little bit about just what it means for you guys to be involved in this Unity game. Oh, it's a a big moment here in Atlanta um, for a place where, um, you know, civil rights kind of started and was born. Um, You know, a lot of people are still carrying on that tradition with things they don't, you know, necessarily feel comfortable with. Um, so uh, a lot of people are starting to speak out, and we want to let the city know that uh, just like you support us, we support you. And uh, the Unity Weekend is is a way to bring everyone together. Um, it's going to be people, thousands of people in here tonight that may not agree on the same thing, but we're coming together for a common interest. That's the why you know the greatest game on the planet. So uh, hopefully we can we can spread the message by you know showing love to and a heated opponent. You know one, you know but two, but showing the people that. You know, it doesn't matter you know, what we got going on in between the lines. There's still unity. We still get along and we still love each other. You, uh, you've only been here a couple of years in Atlanta, but you've seemed to have made a pretty good connection with the community already. And I know this summer after the contract, you put a letter in the paper to the fans and you've had your community events this summer. Um, what is it do you think connects you to the people here so closely? Uh, you know, because it wasn't too long ago where, you know, uh, I was in some of the sort of situations of, you know, the kids that I target. Um, and, you know, I feel that uh, with the right attention and the right, um, you know, the right tools, you know, these kids can really make some of their lives. Um, you know, I'm here to get kids hope and, and teach them how to stay focused, you know, amongst everything that's going on around you because, you know, it's just life and uh, things like this are inevitable. Something always going to be going on. So, you know, I'm just trying to teach them how to uh, see these uh, situations as, you know, a little hump in the road, you know, keep your head down, keep working on, you know, uh, what you're passionate about and, and keep chasing your dreams. Kid, how different is it now? This dialogue wasn't happening when you first got in the league, you know, and it's changed basically like overnight where you get the consciousness of not just athletes on one team, but really around the league. Is, is it something that players have had conversations about throughout the summer and leading into camps? Yeah, you know, because a lot of us are, are cut from the same cloth. You know, a lot of us have the same uh, background story, and a lot of the people that we love dearly are the ones being affected by all of this. So it's, um, you know, it's definitely brought the league, you know, closer together. Uh, you see numerous conversations on Twitter from NBA players talking to each other about, you know, even the debate last night. You know, I think that's huge that, you know, guys our age or uh, in our profession are really worried about those kind of things because those are decisions that, you know, really and truly are really important, you know, down the road. And, um, you know, voting, I think, is huge. You know, you may not like... Uh, this is not you know, my personal stance, but you may not like either candidate, but, you know, choose someone that you like the most because, you know, uh, if the other person gets in there, then you're, you're totally screwed, you know. So I think it's, 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 it's important that we go out and vote and, and really speak out, you know, speak out. I mean, I've let our voice be heard. You know, we have the one of the largest platforms, you know, in the world, and I think that we take, we should, you know, exercise every ounce of it. And, you know, I'm looking to do that through my community outreach and through my foundation. Do you feel like you have more of a voice now than ever before, maybe? Uh, well, sh- 
I mean, yeah, I mean, I, and I'm, you know, super grateful for that. But, uh, you know, just, you know, the people you have around you can really help you develop into uh, a great man. And, you know, my team, you know, start with my parents, obviously, my upbringing, uh, my fiance, my agent, my financial advisor, and all the people I have around me have really, you know, helped me become, you know, the man I am, helped me aware of the things that's going on around me, how they affect me and how I can affect change. So um, I think it's, you know, it starts with who you got around you. Last thing, how many autographs did you sign as Chance the Rapper this summer? <laughs> no, man, but I did get a chance to hang out with him in Chicago. And you want to talk about a stand-up guy. Like, he's, uh, he's uh, you know, a great guy. He threw this huge festival for yeah. his city. You know, with everything going on in Chicago, he brought all these rappers out. They had a great time. And, you know, he's he was here this weekend, but we're on the road. So, the yeah, yeah, you know, I support him, man. He's a, he's, he's a great guy. And, um God-fearing man, and, and he has the world ahead of him, and he's yeah. trying to get it. So I uh, can't do nothing but respect that. Kent Bazemore joining us here on a hang-time road trip for the Unity game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Thanks, man. Right. Thank you. Appreciate man. it. Lang, you, you, you killed him with that chance to rap a question. I knew, <laughs> I knew I saw I saw that look on your face, and I was like, here we go. Um, Maybe we – I got an idea. Maybe we, his nickname should be Baze the Swing Man. <laughs> Maybe we need to start doing on every podcast – picking out a player in the league and who his doppelganger is like, well, I actually have a, a, a long text message conversation with Nick Collison from the thunder uh-huh. about, about this. Cause uh-huh. when I come up with them a lot of times and I'll run them by Nick to see what he thinks. Cause he's played against these guys and seen them up close. <laughs> and uh, I think we're going to have Nick on in the next week or next couple of weeks, but Nick uh, will attest to, uh, to my accuracy with my lookalike calls. <laughs> yeah, well, let's hope it doesn't get us in any trouble at some point. No, no, no. This um, one thing about one thing about Bays, I wish I'd brought up. I can't believe we forgot to bring it up. Was you know the Bays gaze, um, <laughs> which he became known for last season. The, the look he would do during the the post game interviews right. uh, when he kind of video bomb guys. I came up with the term Bays gaze. That was me on Twitter Trade one market. night after the game. I should have because. I tweeted it out there, and about two hours later, it was on SportsCenter <laughs> on a graphic. <laughs> it was too late. By then, it took off, and it went all over the place. That, if there was one thing I wish I could have gotten royalties for, it's that. I should have I should have trademarked the Bay's gaze. <laughs> He's got enough money now. He doesn't need the gaze anymore. He can stop the photo bomb. He's good to go. Yes, so. Yeah. He can relax. Um, there, there isn't any better sign that the NBA season is upon us, Lang, than – the preseason injury list of guys who go down with yeah. bruises, nicks, and, and all sorts of different ailments. Um, a guy whose name you don't want to see on that list, of course, is Anthony Davis, New Orleans Pelican star. Um, out again. With but it seems like he's on it all Davis the time. Well, I know. And John Schumann had a great tweet about this. Um, he listed all of the injuries, just the uh, you know, it, the number is 68 total in terms of games missed um, due to these injuries dating back to the 2012-13 season. Um, but like Schumann's tweet says, it's, it's just the variety of different issues he's had that sticks out. And, I, you know, this is, the Pelicans don't need any more injury or player absence issues to start the season with, you know, Drew Holiday being out. Um to take care of his wife and, and his newborn. Um, what do you make of AD's latest issue? And and what do you make of AD being one of those guys who's basically known now as talented as he is? 
he's got the rep of being a fragile dude. The one thing I would say is if you look at the list and it's an, it's an impressive list just cause it's so long. Um, and there's so many different things in there from a concussion to a respiratory infection, to a hip strain, to a bruised back. <laughs> I mean, it's all up and down. It's all, it's pretty much like a, it reads like a skeleton you'd see at a medical college, but most of these injuries on this list are one game, two game, you know, I think there's 15 of them of all these injuries are, are one or two games. And it's, I think, it, I mean, this is anecdotal here, but I think it might speak to really the Pelicans just trying to be careful with them. And maybe yeah. most guys would have a, a respiratory infection and they would just play that game anyway, or it's the second half of a back to back. And um, so they just say he has a respiratory infection and don't play him. Um, you know, there's yeah. games he missed, one game with a chest contusion. Maybe maybe normally somebody would play that game, and, and the Pelicans are just trying to be careful and not force him out there. Of, of all these injuries, two of them were more than 10 games, a sore ankle and a uh, sore knee. Um, so, I, you know, who knows? I, I wonder if it's, you know, he was a kid who started out high school as a point guard and shot up and became a, a, a big man toward the end of his career. And... Um, He's kind of had to play catch up with his body, and I, I don't know if that has something to do with all these injuries and things he's gone through. I, I think of it almost, though, Seku, in, in comparison to to the guy we spent all day with yesterday, Dwight Howard, right. who said who said that he grew seven inches one summer, basically, and he was kind of a big man for a long time in high school, um, right. and he didn't really have to adjust. His body didn't have that adjustment like some of these other guys have had. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't really know if we can make any concrete judgments about Davis's health because of uh, this list. Yeah, he's. I mean, it's funny. Dwight spoke of, remember, I don't know if you remember, he's talking about that it was painful, you know, when you grow. Yeah, yeah he said that, he couldn't walk. <laughs> yeah, you grow that fast, you know, that, that much and that fast. Um, you know, and Anthony Davis, if I remember correctly, he was like a 6'3 point guard. Yeah. You know, and then shot up to, you know, 6'10", 6'9", 6'10", by the time he graduated high school. Has probably grown a little bit more since then. Um, and that's a good point. Maybe his body has – this is his body reacting to the, the you know, huge gains in growth that he had in such a small amount of time. I don't – I don't like labeling him fragile or injury prone based on this this litany of injuries because, like you said, a lot of them are things that in a, in another era, a you would have you wouldn't have heard about them, right. and a guy would have you know you bust your lip, you get a, you know whatever like those things you would play through without even thinking about it. But he's had shoulder the shoulder injuries. Um, you know, yeah. and he's had s- several of it has been his shoulders. And that always worries me with a big man. Just here's, I, yeah, I mean, here's the I mean, thing. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make. And none of them have been severe enough that he misses a season. Knock on, you know, nothing right. like that. And I don't wish right. anything like that on anybody, obviously. But here's the thing is I, I get what you're saying about you don't want to label him injury prone. Yeah. But look at the list. I mean, he's injury prone. He's he's <laughs> he's, he's he's prone to being injured. He's, it's happened a lot of times throughout I the know. last four years. So, yeah. I, I I mean, I, I the same thing was with Greg Oden when he was coming out of college, and everybody was. Right. I remember Russ Banks and a former colleague of mine and I had this conversation, and Russ was like, 
he's had these freak injuries, you know, like a broken hand and things like that. That when you get slapped or driving to the basket or whatever, like how is he, you can't say he's injury prone. And I was like, look, he, he's been injured a lot. He's injury prone. It doesn't, <laughs> it's not, it's not a knock on the person or, or the work they put in or anything else. It just means they've gotten injured a lot of times, um, yeah. you know, and maybe it's just bad luck. Maybe it's something that normalizes over, over time or changes with, with the way their body changes. But I mean, it, it, you do have to say that Davis is prone to injury. Yeah. Well, and it, I would say that it's not necessarily a mark forever. You know, I remember Steph Curry's, you know, injury issues earlier in his career. I mean, yep. do you know, do you let it derail you, whatever trajectory you have, or is it a thing that you get over conquer and, and, and get better from, you know, I just, I always go back to seeing Anthony Davis at the Olympics in London and just how much raw talent he had then and how excited Kobe and LeBron and some of those other veteran players were when he got in games, you know, like you could see how ridiculously talented he was, how, you know, what a unbelievable ceiling he has still has. I don't care what anybody says. Sure. But, But it seems like to me, and I was, I was bumping around in the uh, treehouse at uh, the studio yesterday, and Smitty and Mike Fratello and Kevin Cottrell, they were in there preparing for the preview show for the Pelicans. And, we, you know, the conversation veered into the health issues for that entire team and, and how they're going to deal with it. We had a podcast talking about the Pelicans here um, during, you know, during the offseason. So, it's, you know, and Joe Meyer, you know, the, their whole season – hinges on whether or not their best player stays healthy enough to be the dominant player everybody knows he can be. Um, and, and I think that goes for a lot of teams. I mean, look at Reggie Jackson yeah. and his injury in Detroit. It's going to be, a, you know, a very important, you know, factor for them early in the season to uh, to get off to a, a good start without him being 100% healthy. Gordon Hayward in Utah, yeah. you know, dealing with injuries. Every year you start, there's going to be – guys coming back from or guys dealing with injuries. And, you know, when you think about it, how much those injuries, even even something that keeps you out four to six or six to eight weeks, impacts that season and may, potentially seasons beyond for that team because you didn't have that guy available. So of all these injuries we've talked about, um, Anthony Davis, Reggie Jackson, Gordon Hayward, which of these teams do you think is best equipped to, to kind of withstand it or, or weather the storm until those guys get back? I think Utah has probably the yeah. best, you know, uh, depth at that spot. You know, you signed Joe Johnson in the offseason, so you got have a guy who could easily fill that role that Gordon Hayward would, would play for that team right away. Um, right. You know, a veteran player, a guy who's known – you know, to be able to score and do some different things. Now, you know, he's not the Joe Johnson he was at the peak of his career, obviously. He's it's been in the league so long. But for a short-term solution, I think yeah. he gives he gives Utah the best chance to weather that storm. Um, I think Reggie Jackson, as important as he is to Detroit, it's just really hard. I don't I don't care even if you have a quality backup, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know, that they have in the Smith. It still makes it tough. You know, because you want your chemistry to be right. You you got to have your quarterback of your team in sync with the other players. So there's going to be an adjustment period when Reggie Jackson does come back. Um, you of know, those all three, of those three guys, yeah, of those three guys, I think Reggie Jackson plays the biggest offensive role 
on it. I mean, well, you could argue Anthony Davis is more important to New Orleans, but everything goes through Reggie Jackson in Detroit right? Right. on every possession. And without him out there, I think that that's going to be really tough for them um, to to figure out how to deal with it. The the other thing I was thinking is you're talking about Steph Curry used to have those injury issues and Mm -hmm. they kind of figured out a plan to to combat that. And it seems to have been able to get over that. Um, You know, medicine has changed so much in the last decade two decades and the way people are treated and get better and all that and i i thought about what dwight was saying yesterday when, when we were with him at shout out to mrs winners on uh, <laughs> the camelton road um but the the thing about dwight said about how you know he's the old man on the hawks now and he's 30 <laughs> he's, he's, he's 30 years old and he's a but it's he's in his 13th season and you know he, he's been around the block and we, there was all this time a couple of years there where there's all this worry about Dwight and his health and how he was doing and all that. And, you know, he, he says he's fine and he looked pretty good when we saw him the other night. He, he's not the explosive guy he was with the magic. Um, but yeah. I, he looks sturdy to me. I mean, he, his arms are the size of my head sitting there next to him. <laughs> <laughs> I loved yesterday. Yeah. yeah I, look, I, you know, I don't, I don't think we have to belabor the point. It is it, injuries are going to be a factor all, forever. In yeah. sport, I don't care what sport it is that's going to be. It's how you manage them, um, survive them, overcome them, whatever that that really uh, speaks to the issue. And I and I think, like I said, I, I'll be interested to see this. I feel like Anthony Davis has to have a kind of redemptive season. Um, he's you know he should have been on the Olympic team. Obviously, um, he didn't get a chance to take part in that due to injury. So it's, I feel like he's got some. Not that there's pressure on him to do it, but he's got some making up to do. He's got time to make up for to get back to the status that I think everybody felt this time last year. We remember we were talking about him in the conversation for MVP. Yeah. Um, coming off a of playoff season and everything, and, and all of that got washed away for the Pelicans last year. So it'll be interesting to see how, just to watch them. Uh, but shout out to John Schumann, the only guy I know who would put a chart <laughs> together and detail all those injuries. That's He's still, he's still, I mean, and for what it's worth, Davis still averaged 24 and 10 and two blocks a game last year. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying he, like, bottomed yeah. out or anything. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he had a rougher season than people expected, I think. He still made um, a play last year in a game. I, I think it was against the Hawks. I can't remember. I, I saw some, he, he was one on one against a point guard. He was defending a point guard at the free throw line on a clear out. I think it might have been Jeff Teague, and he pump faked and got. Davis jumped up in the air to block the shot. The guy went around him, went up to shoot a layup. And from the free throw line, as he was landing, Davis reached all the way back with those long arms and blocked the shot. <laughs> it was one of the most incredible plays I've seen in the last couple of years. And that is always stuck in my mind. Like he has the ability physically to do things. I don't know that anyone else has ever been able to do. Um, and he's still, you know, still a kid, 23 years old. So, Oh yeah. The, the freak show is still going on. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, yeah. You know, but, uh, in, in other NBA news from around the other side of the world, our man, Fran Blimberry, um, Blimberry, Blimberry, sorry, sorry, Fran. <laughs> You've been saying his name wrong for five years now. <laughs> well, hey, it's, it's payback for 40 years of people jacking my name up. Deal with it. Um, but it was interesting about the, uh, the elite basketball academies that the NBA is is going to open in uh, three Chinese cities. Um, that to that to me speaks to 
the the global growth of the game that's been discussed for years. Um, but this is the first time that you, that I look at it and say, man, this it's not just talk. This is like if you're going to set up shop like that in China, you are seriously trying to um, fuel yeah. that movement, you know. And I mean, and if, obviously, if these things take off in China, th there's no telling where you're going to see these these elite basketball academies at some point. I think especially in China, it's going to be interesting because I was watching the end of the Lakers game last night on uh, mm -hmm. NBA TV and uh, Yi Jin Lin checked in um, and he was a guy who, when he came into the NBA, everyone thought he might, you know, be the, after Yao, the next guy to kind of like really open the floodgates from, from China into the NBA. And it still hasn't really happened. Um, yeah. I yeah. thought, I thought he came with a lot of prepackaged hype though. Yeah. I remember I remember your favorite general manager um, <laughs> of all time, Billy Knight, went and watched him work out and came back, like, just rave reviews about right. how great he looked, you know, running out floor. He's so long and athletic and blah, blah. But, I, you know, when you watched him in NBA games, it just didn't translate um, yeah. at that time. So, we'll, I mean, we'll see. I'm, I think it's interesting, you know, um, if you're going to make that kind of investment, you're going to see some results. On the back mm -hmm. end, so there, there better be some, some future NBA talent that they're mining over there in China. Um, I don't think and anybody's going to. And WNBA, because it's interesting. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, that's true. That's true. It mentions it's not just international male; it's male and female prospects. Yes. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I, like I said, I'm curious to see how that plays out uh, with those basketball academies. I like, I love the idea though. I love the idea of the NBA having its hands on on that particular part of the game in terms of its growth around the world. I think it needs to be something that the league is involved with from the, you know from a grassroots level. So I also um, don't know we should probably have somebody on at some point to talk about that. I'm curious I don't know like what the what that level of basketball is like in China. Like you know in the United States you have high school and AAU and college ball well, it's and all the that wild stuff. west here, you know, you're like yeah, it, it, there's so many different influences here. Yeah. I would imagine it's going to be a much more controlled environment um, at these basketball academies. And I, like I said, you're right. We, we probably need to find somebody who knows a little bit more about it. Um, you know, <laughs> than before us. we dive off too far in the conversation, but yeah. Um, season previews are live now on NBA.com. Uh, I know uh -oh. I had a hand in some of them, so I'm sure I'll be getting some emails, PPL, that. Yeah. Listen, we had to guess on the starting lineups for certain teams. Forgive us if we don't have the guys you think should be in there. Um, but that's a part of doing previews before the season actually starts. We have to guess. Uh, I, actually, I actually had to rewrite one of my previews. Yeah. Yeah, you when, think? When Ben Simmons got hurt, I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Might have changed things a little bit. Yeah. Um, Dags, uh, Matt D'Agostino was on with us on a podcast last week. His fantasy rankings are also on the site, check it out. Make sure you, you dig in and get a good look at it. Um, we will have the our, our time spent with Dwight Howard up live on NBA.com uh, sometime at the end of this week, and we'll make sure to tweet it out and make sure you get a look at that as well. It's good time. Different part of Dwight's personality that I haven't seen before in the time we spent with him. I think people will be really interested to see how much he's changed over the years and but still kept 
that personality uh, mm-hmm. that Dwight became known for. We And we talked to him about that, um, just having fun, trying to continue to be who he is and not let all the outside forces affect him. This is, this is a huge season for him, obviously, um, coming home and, you know, playing with the Hawks. I'm curious to see how long of a time he has before people start expecting the old Dwight show up. I, I, I think you, you noticed it like I did, Lane. <clears throat> From the people we saw around town, yeah, I don't think they're giving him any time. Like they expect him to, <laughs> yeah, come in and put this team into you know into the, the the top tier in the Eastern Conference. I don't know if this team is is built for that right now. I think there's a potential there, but I did like I I, I liked hearing Dwight talk about how um, how he's enjoyed being part of uh, Coach Bud's offense, or as he called him, yeah. Coach Bud. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Coach Bud's offense. They um, got milkshakes, bruh. <laughs> uh, I like Dwight here talking about, like, I noticed there was a play during the game on Monday night where they passed the ball five, six times, and uh, mm-hmm. Mike, they ended up with Mike Muscala with a wide-open corner three. He went up for the shot and whipped it under the basket to Dwight, and Dwight said on that play he was trying to get ready for the rebound, and all of a sudden the ball hit yeah. him in the hands right under the rim. And he's like, oh, and he, he, he told us about – plays in practice where they pass the ball 10, 12 times on one possession so much so that like the coach saying, somebody's got to shoot it. Stop passing the ball around. And so uh, I, I'm interested to see how he fits in this offense and how it all works together. Might be a change of uh, style from what he's used to in Houston. Um, I don't know if they had 10 or 12 passes in a quarter, let alone 10 <laughs> or 12 passes in one possession, but that's just me hating. Um, I'm, I'm going to give you a pass this weekend. I'm going to let you enjoy a little college football. Um, the Wolverines are off after pounding Rutgers last weekend uh, and, and surviving John Hartzell's uh, Wisconsin Badgers the week before that. So enjoy the game. I know it's not, a, you know, the it's not like it's Georgia, Florida. Um, yes. You'll have, you'll have to make it do what it do um, when you get to the stadium. We'll, uh, we'll be back next week getting closer and closer to the start of the NBA regular season. Um, We'll definitely have some more preview action for you on .com and here on the Hangtime Podcast. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll have some surprise guests around here before the season kicks off. Just Um, Speaking of surprise guests, yeah. Speaking of surprise guests, by the way, last yesterday I posted a photo on uh, Instagram of me and Dwight and Mrs. Winters, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the comments last night overnight uh, from from the West Coast from Brick Fox. Oh, oh no! Men- <laughs> so, mentor your boy. He's a hawk now, and as I responded to Rick, he just needed to get with a real franchise. So <laughs> nice. Maybe we'll have Rick Fox on the Hang Time Podcast next week. You never know. <laughs> But uh, either way, we'll we'll see you right here next week on the Hang Time Podcast. Later.